Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. Another NFL season is in the books with the Kansas City Chiefs repeat champions winning the Super Bowl in overtime over the San Francisco 49ers. And as much as that has been discussed since Sunday night, what has also been discussed the same amount, if not more, are two controversies outside of the game of football. One is Travis Kelsey, and the other is spiritual warfare. Welcome to Counterthought. So the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champions, back-to-back winners. This is now the third title for Patrick Mahomes. It is their third title in, in five years. Many are talking dynasty, and rightfully so. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is 28 years old, but there is much still yet to be determined and much of his career still left to be played before I can consider him the GOAT, right? The greatest of all time, better than Tom Brady. And as much discussion that has been occurring since the Super Bowl, and rightfully so, I've been watching all the the pundits and the analysts and NFL Network and ESPN and Fox Sports and everywhere talking about the Super Bowl and what it means for the legacy of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and what it means for Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy and everything regarding football. But there have been two controversies that are have been making headlines just as much. You have what happened during the game on the sideline, which is when Travis Kelsey was yelling at his head coach, Andy Reid, and bumped him during that uh, altercation, which has brought everybody to give their opinion on that, including myself. And I'll get to that here in just a second. And then the other topic of discussion is another controversy, and that is regarding spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare involving one, a Super Bowl commercial, and also involving a pop artist that was in the luxury suite with the Kelsey family and Taylor Swift. Now, leading up to the Super Bowl, all of the discussion, right, is on the game itself. What can we expect? Who's going to win the line of scrimmage? Who has the better skilled players? What is the defense going to do? What are the offenses going to do? What is the history between these two teams? What is the history between... Or what is the legacy moving forward if the Chiefs win, if the 49ers win? That was the discussion leading up to the Super Bowl. Also, I was looking forward to Usher's performance right at halftime. I'm a millennial. I grew up, you know, my late high school and throughout college was Usher. (laughs) Usher, Usher, Usher. And if you could have seen me dancing in my living room, I mean, it would have been a sight to be seen. But. During the game, actually as part of the game, Isaiah Pacheco, the Chiefs running back, fumbled with inside inside of the 10-yard line, inside of the red zone as the Chiefs were, you know, trying to score a touchdown. And this is the Super Bowl, right? For anyone who has played competitive sports, I mean, we 
unless you have played in the Super Bowl, we still don't yet understand it. But, you know, maybe you played in a state championship game. Maybe you played in a national championship in college or something like that. You understand to the closest to anyone else the intensity that goes into a championship game. And Travis Kelsey was caught on camera after that fumble and the Chiefs lost the fumble. So it was a turnover and the 49ers got the ball. Kelsey was caught on camera running up to his head coach, Andy Reid, who's about uh, 64, 65 years old and just yelling at him, right? looks like he's going berserk. Kelsey has the playoff beard, you know, hanging low and he's just like, you know, see his teeth. You can see some spit maybe flying from his mouth, yelling at his coach, basically like, give me the ball, put me in the game. That wouldn't have happened. You know, coach rely on me, rely on me. And during that process, cause he's so fired up, he went too far and bumped his coach, whether he did that on purpose or just his, you know, he was so, I guess, angry and fired up that his body just was kind of out of control. And he, you know, accidentally bumped him. Not sure, but man, oh man, the, the number or the types of takes on that exchange by those who are Swifties who have never played, you know, maybe the game of football or a competitive sport at a high level, or maybe those who are just, just don't understand it. They're just, I don't know, little snowflakes or something like that. And the most absurd take I have heard in one of them, and it's also, I think the most popular is that Travis Kelsey is a monster. And all of these women on TikTok are like, oh my gosh, I fear for Taylor Swift. I used to think it was cute that he was, you know, 6'5", and she's about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and the height difference and, you know, all the, everything that goes into a woman wanting a tall man and that he's big and strong and an NFL football player and can protect her and they hold hands and, and it is like a, you know, shield of protection in addition to her security detail, all this stuff, all this stuff that they loved Travis Kelsey for. Right. Masculinity, you know, is finally coming back with a vengeance. All because the Taylor Swift is finally dating a what a masculine man, right? And then as soon as that clip was shown, as soon as that exchange on the sideline was shown, boom. Complete flip. Oh my gosh, I'm scared for Taylor. Think of how small she is compared to him. There's like an eight-foot height difference. I mean an eight-inch height difference. And he weighs like 235, 240 pounds. And she probably weighs, you know, like a buck 35 or something like that. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine there's over a hundred pound difference between them? And she just seems so dainty. Could you imagine if what happens behind closed doors, if he just blows up at her and gets angry, he's a monster, a monster. He, he's not a monster. He's not a monster. And it is amazing to me how quick so many people are just acting as if they understand what was going on in that situation. Yes, I'm well aware that I'm about to do the same thing, but I am on Travis Kelsey's side. That dude was fired up. Did he get out of control? Yes. Did he address it with his head coach afterward? Yes. Did his head coach, Andy Reid, have the understanding and know him on a personal level and know him that, hey, I understand 
like what he is going through and I'm not going to bench him for the rest of the game? Yes. And who would know Travis Kelsey better than, than anyone on that sideline? The head coach. Patrick Mahomes, right? The leaders of the team. Leader one and leader two. So it just baffled me how, how quick everyone just turned on him and framed him as some kind of monster. Acting as if everyone has, you know, never gotten angry about anything. And I guarantee you all the people who are giving these takes that he's a monster and, you know, this is elder abuse and all this nonsense. I guarantee you that they have been angry before and yelled at the top of their, their lungs, you know, like straining their throat over something that is not even on the level of playing in the most, one of the most important games of your life, right? In front of your friends and your family and your teammates, those are that, that are your family that you would, you know, blood, sweat, and tears grinding with them week after week after week. And these people act like as if they've never been angry about anything. You know, as if he deliberately went up and shoved Andy Reid to the ground as if he's uh, Pedro Martinez throwing down Don Zimmer, right? I mean, like, come on. Where was this champion of, where'd the championing of masculinity go? How quickly people turn on somebody because of one interaction. One interaction, which was already addressed between the two of them soon afterward. And if it needs to be addressed more, they'll do that behind closed doors. But people are calling for fines and saying that he assaulted Andy Reid. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. Should he have bumped his coach? No. Should he yell at his coach like that? Probably not. Usually you see something like that going on between uh, the player and the position coach, like his tight ends coach, or maybe the offensive coordinator, or maybe he's going to be yelling at you know, his quarterback, and then the quarterback will relay it to the offensive coordinator, to the head coach, you know, like a little more chain of command kind of thing. But they have a relationship that we are, you know, that we don't have the inside scoop on, right? And a man can overreact, but not be labeled a monster. Just when I thought that there was hope for masculinity and the appreciation of masculinity returning to this country, I am immediately blown away by the amount of people that I like. I consider on my team politically that all of a sudden turn into little snowflakes that they've talked about for years now going back to, oh, facts don't care about your feelings, you little snowflake, this, that, and the other. And then they see that reaction on the sideline and they're like, oh, my goodness, how could he do that? I am scared for Taylor. Oh my goodness, that was so uncalled for. Like, what a toxic man. It just goes to show you that emotions are fleeting. And these people are either <clears throat> sincere in their belief, which I've watched their videos and their takes, and I believe that they are. And there may be a few here and there that are just, you know, trolling for clicks, basically, trying to get you to engage with them, right? Because they are self serving. So I'm here. And advocating for Travis Kelsey, not to say that he should have bumped his coach and should have yelled in his face, but he is definitely not a monster. Go listen to this. Go listen to him on his podcast with his brother and brother and listen to him talk. He is not a monster. And I believe we need to be continuing as we were before this incident to champion championing masculinity. 
promoting masculinity once more. We need more of it, healthy masculinity within this country. And you are, we are not going to get there if, at a, if, at, if on a whim, we are just going to all of a sudden bash a portion of masculinity that we were once championing. Right? That means that just shows that you are not truly in it and you do not truly understand it. And many of these same people, especially the women who are, you know, clutching their pearls and feeling scared for Taylor Swift, I'm sure it comes from a good place, but get real. If you have a husband or a boyfriend or a fiance, ask him. I am sure he has gotten angry, especially if he has played sports. Even if he hasn't played sports, just cheering for his team to the point where he has he has yelled and been like super pissed, super upset. But that doesn't create, that doesn't mean he's toxic. That doesn't mean he is a monster. So it was just surprising to me how, how quick everyone turned on Travis Kelsey and acts as if they know the ins and outs of what was going on there and the ins and outs of their relationship. You cannot be okay with him bumping his coach and yelling at him while also realizing that just because he did that, he is not a monster. So I'm hoping that those people who are scared for Taylor Swift, who are saying that he abused his head coach and that he is a monster, that they will take a step back and realize that they are not helping and that they will actually determine for themselves if they really want masculinity to return to this country. Because if, it, if they do, this is going to be part of it, right? This is going to be part of it. Masculinity is not just going to be calm and stoic form of leadership. There will be anger. Anger is an emotion. We all have emotions, whether we are man or a woman. So I hope for not only in this individual case, but also for the rise and the res resurrection of masculinity in this country, that those who are quick to or have been quick to um, go against Travis Kelsey and just, uh, you know, say that he is a monster and all of these things that they will actually think about what they are saying and what they're advocating for and realize that this was just five second span of time in the most intense game at the highest level and we'll give this and we'll give him a break and realize that this is going to be a, a byproduct of masculinity. It is not always going to be calm and stoic. It is not always going to be pure, but it is needed. And then beyond that controversy, the second controversy, the second controversy is spiritual warfare. And there are two parts to this. So as we all know, the Super Bowl, you either are watching the Super Bowl for the game or you're watching it for the halftime show or you're watching it for the commercials or some kind of combination. I tend to watch it for the game, the commercials, you know, I'll catch some of them here and there. They're good. The Dunkings with Damon Affleck and, and JLo and Brady, like those were hilarious, right? Most of the commercials, a lot of them were funny, but the one that is getting the most attention, the one that has stirred up the most controversy is the He Gets Us, one of the He Gets Us 
commercials, the 60 second minute long commercial, which I believe cost about $14 million to get a spot in the Super Bowl. That commercial, if you have not seen it, I will do my best to describe it to you. So it is flashing up every five seconds, still images, still paintings of individuals washing the feet of um, a transgender female, a priest doing that at the end of the commercial. Also, a, a woman washing the feet of a girl who's sitting outside of an abortion clinic. And all these different pictures, about 10 or 12 of them, really about five seconds each, paintings just flashing up, people washing other people's feet. And at the end, it says, you know, like Jesus did not hate, he gets us. And I went to the website because this rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And there are, there are a couple of explanations for, for what is going on here. So the website, hegetsus.com, says that the washing of feet expresses humility. And that is correct. The washing of feet takes place in John chapter 13. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. This is just moments before, hours before Judas is going to betray Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he is going to be taken into custody, <clears throat> which begins the, the whole crucifixion process, right? Laying down his life for us, laying down his life as a perfect, his perfection for our sinfulness. But the website also says that the washing of feet, the lesson to be taken from it is to love your neighbor, to love your neighbor. And that is where so many people are believing the message. And also while so many other people like myself believe that the message of the commercial is not that we are to love our neighbor, that, that that is not the main takeaway of washing your feet, that this is a distillation, a whitewashing of, of Jesus. Yes, Jesus calls us in other parts of, during other parts of the New Testament of his life, of his walk here on earth, for us to love our neighbors. But in the washing of feet, the main takeaway is that we are being cleansed, right? Before his blood was spilled to wash away our sins, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, the washing of feet was seen as a way to cleanse your body. Jesus said in John 13, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And all of you is referring, referring to, to Judas. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, and you are clean. If, you do, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. That is talking about salvation. Salvation, not loving your neighbor. Humility, yes. Washing the feet is an act of humility. That their leader, their teacher, Jesus Christ, was washing the feet of his disciples, his followers. When the washing of feet traditionally in that time was something that was done by a servant. When you would 
you know, because we're talking dirt roads and sandals. So the feet were dirty and disgusting and grimy. And that, that would be, your feet would be cleaned by like a servant. Someone who would be in a caste system less than you, the visitor, the guest in that house. But many are interpreting and are okay with this commercial. Many are okay with this commercial thinking like, yeah, humility and, and loving your neighbor. Which he gets us.com, the company says that it is about loving your neighbor. But that's not the appropriate takeaway for the washing of feet. This commercial, and this is what the other aspect of what I disagree with, and I've seen many Christians that I don't know personally, but you know, they are self-professing Christians giving their takes on this and saying, I don't see necessarily what's wrong. There are many who are arguing, hey, even if the message is is wrong or isn't fully, you know, is a misinterpretation that it is getting people to talk about Jesus and why he would wash and looking up on the internet, like why he would wash people's feet. Reminds me of when Tim Tebow used to wear Philippians 4.13 on his eye black. <clears throat> and then in the national championship game in 2008, he wrote, he switched it up and did John 3.16. And that was the most searched uh, Google, that was the, that was the largest Google search from that national championship game. It had millions upon millions of views. So that brought awareness, right? So I could understand the argument that even a misinterpretation, this is still bringing in awareness. And yes, that is the case. But the risk that you are running through a misinterpretation, whether uh, deliberate or on purpose, is that if the message can get lost, the pictures, the paintings in that commercial make it seem as if you are just supposed to go up to people and start washing their feet. And then in these paintings, they are these still images, they're actively showing they purposely chose individuals who are um, who are active in some type of sin. So you are running the risk of people misinterpreting the message and thinking, oh, you're just supposed to be accepting of someone's sin and your love for them. Right? We Jesus called us to love, love others but hate the sin, love your neighbor but hate the sin, right? To repent. But these images make it seem as if we we're just supposed to be going up and washing people's feet that are active, that are actively sinning, especially at the end with the priest washing the feet of, of the trans, transgender female, as if we are not supposed to say anything to address the sin. And we actually are supposed to be addressing the sins, being like, hey, I love you and Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you regardless of your sins, right? He died for you on the cross, knowing that you were a sinner and will continue to be a sinner. But that message is not conveyed within this commercial. And a lot of Christians are okay with the commercial, saying it maybe it accomplishes more just by the, the, the awareness and the curiosity and that that is enough. Other people also have this take that they shouldn't have spent that kind of money, which I'm not, I, I mean, that's, that's not an issue with me spending the millions of dollars. Like, I mean, you have to advertise and market, right? To get your message out there. Like, I'm okay with that. I mean, even ministry organizations advertise to, 
you know, to gain awareness and funding to continue their mission and so on and so forth. So like, that's just, that's a non-starter for me. Um, my main thing is that this is a misrepresentation of, of the message that Jesus was giving his disciples with the washing of his feet, that we are just supposed to be okay and almost endorse and look, turn the other cheek to the sin. When we are not supposed to do that as Christians, we are to uh, call out the sin and say, hey, we are to wash ourselves clean. Jesus offers us this, this salvation and washes us clean by dying on the cross. And he loves you regardless of your sin, but you are to turn away from your sin and repent. And the other controversy that involves the spiritual warfare is ice spice. Now, I don't know anything, <laughs> any of ice spices is music, if you can call it music. But during the game, she's in the suite with um, the Kelsey family, with Taylor Swift and ice spice. I don't know how she got there, right? I don't know all the, the ins and outs of pop culture, like how she got there why she's in that suite and everything else. But there is a scene when they flashed up Taylor Swift on the Jumbotron within the, within the stadium and she's chugging a beer or whatever she's sipping on for the game. Chugging it, right? That's become like a little ritual. You know, everybody cheers for you and stuff because it's like, yeah. And during that, Ice Spice is like two seats over to her and one row up and she flashes these uh, devil demon symbols with her hands like pinches, puts her thumb and her two middle fingers together on top and then sticks up the index finger and the pinky to make it like devil horns and then comes up and grabs her chain and pulls it up and flaunts it, which it's an inverted cross. You have to look closely, but it is an inverted cross. That's right. This is demonic. And why is she in that suite, right? So there's tons of questions. And it makes you, it, it, it should reveal to you that we are in spiritual warfare. And this reminds me of Travis Scott and his Houston concert going back a year or two ago, where people were passing out. And I believe one person died during that concert. And the way the stage was set up, he had like an invert, it was shaped like an inverted cross leading into this pit, which was designed to be like his mouth, right? And that that had symbolism, demonic symbolism. And that is what this reminds me of, this inverted cross. Now, while also thinking about leading up to the Super Bowl, you have, and this is part of this warfare, you have the starting quarterback of the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. You have the starting quarterback of the 49ers, Brock Purdy, being open and honest about their faith, praising God, talking about what they do if they do any kind of pregame rituals. And Patrick Mahomes talking about he walks the field and says a prayer. Brock Purdy talking about how when he was growing up, Tim Tebow was his, his favorite player. And, you know, he was not shy away from thanking God and, and um, declaring his faith. So that is the good, right? That is the, the white and then the dark, the light. And then the darkness is what Ice Spice was doing with this demonic gestures right there during the Super Bowl. So as you go along and go around, go about your daily lives, don't think that or don't lose sight of the fact that we are currently in spiritual warfare. God says in the Bible that we are, that there is warfare, spiritual warfare going on. And during the Super Bowl, we witness it. 
we witness it. We have people who are um, not icons, but you know, within our pop culture, and pop culture has an enormous reach, much bigger than sports and politics. Actively doing demonic, satanic things live during the Super Bowl with 125 plus million eyes and watching it in America. Not to mention how many other eyes around the world. Over 120 million people had the possibility to see what Ice Spice did. Right? So do not lose sight of what is going on around you. In the spirit realm, there is spiritual warfare occurring and we are not, uh, there's no place for us to hide. So we need to always be on alert. We need to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, right? We are called to do that. God offers us that. Jesus offers us that if we draw near to him. So as fun as the Super Bowl was, and I picked the Chiefs to win by four, I basically nailed it, right? They won by three only because they didn't have to attempt the extra point, but, you know, still nailed it. Be aware of what is going on and pay close attention. That commercial, as well-intentioned as it may seem, missed the point, was inaccurate, misinterpretation. And the devil, if we know anything about him, he is cunning and sly like a fox. Twist the truth and lies to you, manipulates the truth in the tiniest of ways to get you to buy into it to try to get you farther away from God. So guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and be aware of what is happening in our culture today and be aware and mindful of what it is that you support and what you promote. Because as harmless as something may seem, it may not be that harmless at all. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.